This is part three of our series looking at how to manage and improve your mental health and well-being every day. I'm Anika Allen, host of the Black Magic Podcast, where we speak to brilliant and resilient British black women about their experiences personally and professionally. In this episode, I'll be speaking to Sabira Jones, aka The Corporate Hippie, a certified lifestyle coach and corporate burnout prevention consultant who is on a mission to support thousands of people to live free of burnout. We will also discuss the importance of looking after your mental health to find out what works for me and you to help build resilience and maintain good well-being. There are a range of resources to help with this for everyone at Every Mind Matters, including an interactive mind plan quiz to get top tips and advice relevant for you. More than a third of adults in England did not know what to do to improve their mental well-being over the last 18 months. Of those who did not know what to do, 41% reported that they didn't know what to do because it felt overwhelming and 36% didn't know where to start. So let's get some tips to help with that. So welcome to the Black Magic Podcast, Sabira. How are you? I am amazing, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So what is a burnout prevention consultant in layman terms for those that have no idea? So in short, I put out fires. So there's unnecessary stress that we end up living with in our lives in terms of maybe unhealthy relationships or financial difficulties in terms of consumer debt and so forth. I help people put out the unnecessary stress in their life. And in doing so, it enables them to live a life where they can pursue professional aspirations, they can achieve sustainable success, but also achieve work-life harmony, peace and prosperity in both their professional and personal lives. So I put out fires for a living. Love it. Who needs a firewoman when we have you? (laughs) (laughs) So what made you get into your current role as a coach and burnout prevention consultant? So it was 2019. I was sat in front of a consultant, just turned 25, and he had diagnosed me with multiple sclerosis. And my whole world just crumbled around me at that point. And I asked him, what had I done wrong? How have I ended up at this point? And he said, you haven't done anything wrong. You go to the gym six times a week, you meditate, you're predominantly plant-based, you're doing everything right. And I just knew that clearly I hadn't done something right because I wouldn't be sat in front of a neurologist at 25 years old. And then I remembered a conversation I had with an econometric lecturer a few years back. It was my final year studying economics. At that point, my mum was in a coma and had a heart attack that year. And I walked into the lab and he knew my mum was um, in a coma. And he said, Sabira, how are you doing? Um, he's actually, you know, he said, Sabira, how are you managing? And I said, I'm not, I'm coping. I remember in that conversation at the point of diagnosis is what made me decide that something had to change because a lot of us are really good at coping with stress, but we actually don't know how to manage stress. And it was because I'd lived a tumultuous and traumatic year of chronic stress that I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So I looked back and on the things I was doing in terms of being predominantly plant-based, going to the gym six times a week, sometimes twice a day, meditating, going on awesome holidays and realised that all those things helped me cope with stress. They did nothing to help me manage the stress in my life that had resulted in me being diagnosed with a chronic health condition. And unfortunately, my story is not unique in terms of people with autoimmune conditions or even just corporate professionals who work high stress jobs. They end up not having the health and vitality to actually enjoy the success that they've achieved, to enjoy their personal life and to have the capacity to perceive professional aspirations without sacrificing their own health and vitality. And so I knew something had to change and make a stop to the burnout that's the inevitable end for working in the way that we do. And so I resigned from the investment industry, which is where I was working at the time. 
took a career break. And in that time, I retrained as a holistic health practitioner. I started reading up about psychoneuroimmunology, which is the scientific credence for the mind-body-soul connection to better understand how stress has an effect on the human body. Created what I call the burnout-free lifestyle framework, which I implemented in my own life. And within five months, I was able to put an end to the debilitating MS symptoms that I'd been experiencing and put an end to it without any medical intervention. Then decided that actually it was time to pivot my career and help other people do the same, enable them to pursue professional aspirations, achieve sustainable success without the threat of burnout. So in fact, this month is my two-year anniversary of being free from all MS symptoms without medical intervention, just through lifestyle changes, living a burnout-free lifestyle. Well, congratulations on living MS symptom-free for the last two years. And there's a lot to unpack with what you just said. So uh, thank you for sharing um, your journey and your story with us. I mean, how has the last 18 months been for you and how has it impacted you? Were you having to shield? Did you find it being stressful kind of over the last two years with the pandemic? Honestly, it hasn't adversely impacted me at all. It's been a great time for me, but I think I've had an unfair advantage in that 2019 when I was diagnosed, I had my own personal lockdown. So I had that period of time of experiencing social anxiety, depression, anxiety to actually reshape my life and get used to living in uncertainty, having a diagnosis like MS. Whereas when by the time I was ready to return to the working world and pivot my career, my focus was on increasing flexibility and inclusiveness within organisations for people with chronic health conditions or people who have caring responsibilities and so forth to become more inclusive. And so literally a matter of weeks before the lockdown occurred, I was speaking to different CEOs and CIOs across the investment industry saying get ahead of the curve, become more flexible in your approach to work and allow people to work remotely and so forth. And then we saw it happen within a matter of weeks of the enforced remote working. So this year for me personally, given my line of work, has been an enlightening year, but I appreciate that's not been the experience for a lot of people that I work with who are my clients. Yeah, a lot of people, I would say, have found the last year, I guess, quite stressful with the uncertainty and workload. Some people have enjoyed working from home. Some people have embraced that. Others prefer being in the office. I think people are finding themselves doing like longer hours working from home, maybe not moving as much because they're not doing, you know, walking to the station for the commute or maybe even moving for a lunch break because they're just at home as well and things. So I think the last 18 months or two years have impacted people in a lot of different ways. I mean, how do you think it's impacted people generally in the workplace? I think what's happened is because our sense of agency and autonomy has been removed with the enforced lockdowns sanctioned by and mandated by the government, a lot of people have felt that sense of agency removed from them. They felt disempowered within their own life because the things they would normally do to help them cope with stress or things they would do for, to fill their own proverbial cup to bring that fulfillment and joy into their life they've not been able to do. And in response, that's manifested itself in the workplace. So they feel disempowered within the workplace in terms of how much control they have over their workload, especially because now we're constantly on online and virtual meetings. And it's easy to look at your calendar and just see meetings after meetings after meetings booked in and you wonder, when do I actually deliver the day job? When do I actually create those deliverables? So it's been a really interesting period of time because people have now have to figure out how to manage and become their own managers within the role and I think one of the best ways to do that is to manage your calendar manage your time and put in those I call it time blocking 
literally block in your calendar times where you will work on the deliverables, times where you will have lunch, because you often hear people say, I don't even have time to have lunch anymore. Those are things we can take back um, our personal power in and implement into our day. So it's been a really interesting year because I think there are so many conversations and what's really highlighting is that inclusivity really means there is no one-size-fit-all response. For some people, working from home has been incredibly great, particularly for people with chronic health conditions or parental or caring responsibilities. But then for others, going into the office provides them with respite from potentially what their home situation may be or enables them to have that differentiation between work and personal life. And that's been eroded. So there's been a struggle for that reason. So as we head into the new norm, we really need to acknowledge that what we want is for people to work at their full potential. We want to maximise their capacity to be able to do the work and deliver the work that they've been hired to do. And that doesn't necessarily mean everyone works at home or everyone works in the office because we all have different ways of working that can maximise our potential. So it's been an incredibly interesting year. But I think what happens, or the crux of it all, is a lot of people are feeling disempowered because of the national sanctions that we've seen. Yeah, particularly with work and things like some people need to start reclaiming their commute. So if you know you were starting work at 9am, but now you're kind of getting up out of your bed and you go and you turn on your computer and starting work at 7, 8, actually start taking back that time, reclaim that time and utilise that time to do whatever you need to do in your morning, whether that's writing in a journal, dancing or listening to some nice music or just relaxing, meditating, watching TV, just reclaiming that, that time as your own and I think it's great that you said about you know time blocking and things because my diary sometimes gets mad and I'm like why do people think I not need do not need a comfort break or to eat like why <laughs> and, and so sometimes I feel bad when I'm having to say decline meetings and things especially yeah. when like, oh but you know diaries are really um really hard can you please can you please be flexible and I'm like flexible means I'm not having a break the whole day and yeah flexible means to compromise your boundaries yeah <laughs> what are the little things people can do to kind of look after their me- mental health and to avoid burnout? So true burnout prevention is a lifestyle. So it really is about taking accountability and responsibility for your own health, which is why I talk about things like time blocking. No one else can do that for you. You have to do it for yourself. So true burnout prevention is about living a stress mitigating lifestyle. So whilst the World Health Organization will define burnout as an occupational phenomenon, it really isn't. So when we concentrate on burnout being a result of the insurmountable workloads, the potentially sometimes unreasonable deadlines or insufferable line managers, that generally isn't the case. Burnout occurs due to a chronic exposure to stress. And after the last 18 months that we've been living in, we've all been exposed to chronic stress in some degree or another. So in order to prevent burnout, the best way to do it, the most sustainable way to do it, is to look at our own personal life and think, what are the things that can be eliminated? What type of stress can be eliminated in our personal life that we don't have to tolerate? to increase our capacity to manage stress in the areas where we do need to actually utilise stress because stress is just like fire. So when it's well managed and well utilised, it can be productive, it can be constructive. However, if mismanaged, if mishandled, if you're unaware of the fires, it can be destructive and catastrophic. So that's what stress is. And honestly, a lot of us actually utilise stress really well to excel in our relative areas of expertise. So in order to prevent burnout, we need to actually put out those fires, the unnecessary stress that we live with day to day. So, for example, when I was diagnosed, my professional life was going great. I had just begun my investment career. It was going well. I had just moved from an investment consultancy to asset management with a great pay rise, a great new role. But it was my personal life that was in disarray that had caused me to burn out. So whilst there are a lot of things that can happen in the workplace, 
that are outside of our control, there's so many more things in our personal life that's within our control. And the more control and sense of agency we have in our personal life, the more empowered we feel and the more confident we are to go into the workplace and be assertive about our working boundaries in terms of time blocking, querying whether those deadlines are actually urgent or whether they can be pushed back and actually being able to manage other people's expectations. So that level of empowerment and confidence has to come from our personal life and be translated into the working life because in the working life there are still things outside of our control but when we have that sense of agency within our personal life that confidence we can then manage the working world accordingly fantastic those are great tips um, and i also discovered i'm um, a platform called every mind matters platform where people can get a tailored mind plan that gives them personalized tips to help them deal with stress and anxiety boost their mood sleep better and feel more in control all they have to do is answer five simple questions and then with that, it comes up with some options and things for you to do. Because sometimes, this is great hearing the tips from you, but sometimes people just need something in front of them to say, do this now. <laughs> what happened when you used the mind plan? I know obviously this is your area of expertise and so you, you got it all in the bag already, but what suggestions did it provide for you? So for me, it provided to do exercise and move, which is something I greatly believe in. So from Monday to Friday, 6am, I'm at the gym. It also said to sleep which is great for me because I used to be an insomniac up until last year 10 years long and no longer have insomnia but I think quality sleep comes when you're not stressed because it's impossible to rest when you're stressed so to put out those fires to eliminate unnecessary stress increases your ability to sleep which is really important for sustainability it also talked about volunteering which I think is a big thing to do particularly in times like this is to look outside of ourselves it's so easy to see and feel despondent in our own life because of what's happening. But when we help other people, when we reach out and create impact in the world outside of ourselves, it gives us greater purpose and it reignites the light within ourselves to keep going. And I think the mind plan is really great as a first point in call. They're really good things to implement in their lifestyle to help start increasing your capacity to manage and to eliminate the unnecessary stress in your life. So it's a great point to start. Amazing. I mean, it gave me some of the similar advice as well, like the sleep option and going to bed at the same time every day, which is easier said than done with a two-year-old and a demanding workload. But I know sleep is very important. And the physical thing as well in terms of exercising and getting activity. I mean, it's great that you go to the gym six days a week. And I really want to. My my fiance's schedule is a bit crazy. So trying to kind of have a regular routine with um, exercise, I find difficult because I never know when he, you know when he needs to leave or when he's going to be back yeah. to his work schedule and then trying to do do it at home I don't just don't enjoy it because then my daughter's kind of jumping all over my back or <laughs> crawling underneath me and things and I feel like well I'm, I feel like I'm not getting the benefits because I'm not going hard enough because <laughs> she's there and things but um definitely I know doing more activities is good and just kind of living I guess that healthy having that healthy balanced lifestyle and healthy eating and reducing alcohol consumption. I don't smoke, thankfully. Doing the things that make you feel good each day. I think sometimes with everything that's going on in the world, we can forget to do those little things that make us feel good, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. doing our nails at home or going to the salon or whether it's turning the music volume up and having a little dance around your house or going to see your friends. I think everybody just needs to do more of the things that feed their soul. I, yeah, I'm a huge believer in filling your proverbial cup because if your cup is not filled, then your battery will just drain. And it's easier to give from the abundance than to give from scarcity. And a lot of the times what happens is our proverbial cup runs dry, but we're still trying to give from what we don't have. And it's the ultimate um, result from that is you end up burning out because you just have nothing left to give to yourself or anyone else around you. 
And those things are really great to build into a lifestyle. But when I was diagnosed with MS, I was predominantly plant-based. I had an incredibly healthy diet and I was working out and so forth. But it was the stress that I was constantly living in. It's like the story of the frog in tepid water. I was the frog living in water and in tepid water and the temperature of the water just kept increasing and increasing. But because I was so good at adjusting and acclimatizing, I felt to realize when it was having an impact on myself. So it's that level of self-awareness as well. Like how do we create that self-awareness to have those honest conversations with ourselves? What is actually feeding our soul and what's eating away at us? And a lot of the times as well, our measure of niceness, the barometer is how much we tolerate, but it's not true we can all be nice people we are all light beings imagine the light it can attract a butterfly and it can attract a moth a butterfly is going to enhance your life it's going to add beauty and moth is going to take away and eat at your clothes so it's our responsibility to acknowledge what's happening around us are they butterflies are they moths are they feeding us and filling our proverbial cups or are they energy vampires draining from us and that can be people they can be situations they can be habits like over consuming alcohol or smoking and so forth or even over-exercising is something that's generally overlooked. So it's our responsibility to say, actually, what is it I need to fill my cup? Because if you don't fill your cup first, you can't fill any of your responsibilities in life. And you deserve to prioritise your well-being. It's not a nicety, it's an essential requirement for sustainability in all areas of our lives. I love that. And it's very true. You deserve to prioritise your well-being. So those of you that are listening, maybe you need to print that off and put that on your wall or something and say, I deserve to prioritise my well-being because you know we all have times in our life where we forget that. And so definitely keep that in mind. So I thought I'm going to ask you a few quickfire questions that we both have to answer now. Okay, cool. Okay. Who makes you feel your best? Um, that's a good question. I think primarily myself, just looking at how far I've come from where I was, where I was disabled, unemployed, depressed, to now thriving and no longer in survival mode but also my nephew just being around him makes me so happy I don't know when he got so big and when he grew up so quickly but being around him is definitely one of my highlights so what about you who makes you feel your best I agree with you I think myself in terms of me being my own kind of I guess biggest advocate and cheerleader because I think if I don't feel my best about myself then it doesn't matter what anybody else says to me it's definitely me first but then my fiance and my daughter kind of seeing them in the mornings when they're waking up and being like mommy or Anika and love you and giving me hugs and cuddles or I'm getting dressed to get ready and they're like oh you look nice um oh yeah. I love that <laughs> I think that makes me feel um, my best so what is your mantra do you have a mantra that you live by I do and anyone who knows me knows this don't throw the cake away that is my mantra. What does that mean? <laughs> so imagine you had a whole cake cut into 24 slices and one slice fell on the floor. Anika, would you throw away the rest of the cake just because one slice fell on the floor? No. But we do this with our day. We'll let one bad moment or an unpleasant moment in a day cloud our entire day and call it a bad day. And then a bad day can become a bad week and a bad week become a bad month and a bad month become a bad year. And then all of a sudden your life sucks. But actually, if we realise that we've still got the rest of the day, we've still got the rest of the week, and one bad moment, one unpleasant moment doesn't have to define the entire time, we take back our personal power and we can continue living our best lives, as cliche as it sounds. So my mantra is don't throw the cake away. When something unpleasant happens, there's still so much more you can look forward to. Definitely, I completely agree with that. The other... Um day something got stolen from my fiance and he was so angry that whole day and a few days later 
and I had to say to him, I'll buy it back again. I know it's frustrating. I know it's annoying and it shouldn't have happened, but it's fine. Don't let, you know, that one incident kind of, you know, ruin everything and stuff. And, and it's true that we, we do that as people. I mean, I do try and if something bad happens, I, I try and reframe my thinking and say, okay, that happened, but, you know, it will get better because I, I don't like to dwell on things like that. So I definitely don't throw the cake away, but I love the mantra. Yeah, and it's not to invalidate that it's an unpleasant moment for you or for anyone else, but we don't have to stay in that moment. So don't throw the cake away. <laughs> Definitely. Mine is um, difficult takes a day and impossible takes a week if you keep your eyes on the prize. And the keep your eyes on the prize part in particular is people know me for saying that. I've always personally been very focused and thought, you know, where's my goal? What am I trying to do? And let me just keep my eyes on the prize. I'll get there. And, yeah. and it's something that I just say to a lot of friends and family difficult takes a day and impossible takes a week part is I guess for me it was more thinking okay what's always seems impossible people in the past and in the present have made it possible eventually so it might seem difficult initially but eventually you'll you'll get it so that's the kind of difficult takes a day and impossible takes a week even if it literally doesn't take a day or a week (laughs) eventually you will get it done yeah no I like that I do and my next one for you is when something recently didn't go your way what did you learn Oh, so it's not recent um, per se, but when I had, when I was ready to end my career break and come back into the investment industry initially, I found that there just weren't any jobs that were part-time, job share, flexible, which I would have needed to, in order to manage my um, condition at the time. And then the proverbial needle in the haystack arrived. It was a part-time three-day um, valuation done in this job that I could have done with my eyes closed considering my career um, history. And the last minute I didn't get the job because they went with an internal hire as opposed to external and now I get it economically I got it but I felt so devastated and despondent in that moment because I was ready to go I was ready to go and then I realized that I can't be the only one feeling this way I can't be the only one in this position and looking outside of myself and realizing it's not woe is me it's wow this is me enabled me to start researching what the employment rates were for people with disabilities and realising that actually I definitely was not alone because for those who don't have a disability and are unemployed, the rate is 5%. If you are disabled and unemployed, the rate is 50%. So I knew that there were so many more thousands of people like myself in the UK who were looking for jobs. And I decided that what I was going to do was start having these conversations and challenging the senior stakeholders within my chosen industry to change things around. And so whilst I didn't get the job, what I did get was a whole new business. Amazing. And we don't take the victim mentality of a situation because it's not actually happening to us it just so happens that we've experienced it it really gives us motivation determination to create bigger change and impact and change the situation entirely not only for ourselves but for those around us as well no I completely agree and mine's pretty similar in terms of I guess it's it's focused on a job I recently um did an interview where it was like seven seven stages so it was a really long interview process (laughs) and then had a panel panel stage at the end and I was in the final it was between me and somebody else and then um, I didn't get the role and I was completely devastated but I was proud of myself in terms of my resilience because I didn't tell them but I'd been sick at the time in terms of the panel interview and and me having to put a presentation together so I put a presentation yeah really quickly I think it was really comprehensive. All the feedback they, they gave me was positive, even at the end when I didn't get the role, they didn't have anything negative to say, just that the other person's presentation just had a bit more things that were thought out in it, and, which is probably true because I didn't have the time that the other person or the yeah. candidate would have had because I'd been ill. But I, it kind of taught me um, that one, actually, 
And because it was a really, really super senior role, that actually these are the kind of roles that I should be going for moving forward, just because it shows the level of my experience and my knowledge that I'm, that I'm at. So don't be afraid to kind of apply for these roles that are super senior, just in terms of resilience, that um, regardless of what's going on personally or professionally, that I can make things happen. And um, mm. and do just understanding that, you know, even though you know, I've received a rejection, you know, often rejections could be redirection for something better. So just focusing on not the failure, but the positive that I did get to the final stage so that they did see something in me that they, they liked. And actually it's given me practice for the next interview, especially since I hadn't done an interview like that in, in years. And so um, yeah. I think that's what I learned from that experience. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's about the experience. We A lot of times we get caught up in the outcome or the destination and we forget that there's so much learning in the experience. Definitely, definitely. And oh, and the last thing was that I'm, sometimes I've been told this this by two people. Sometimes I don't, I don't talk enough about everything that I've done, like I'm being too humble. And so I just need to really sell myself even more because I've done so much. Like um, the person was like, and if I follow you on LinkedIn and then and I've, I've worked with you before, and so I know I know a lot of the things that you've done and you didn't speak about half of them in that interview. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, so I think all of us, particularly us here in Britain, I think sometimes we can not want to talk up, talk up our skills and our successes and celebrate those, whether it's in an interview or just generally. So definitely to do that more. I think as well as naturally as high achievers, when we complete something or achieve something, it's just come so naturally to us. We don't recognise actually how great it was so I've actually got a little jar that my friends bought me for my birthday last year where whenever I achieve something I have to write it down on a colorful post-it note and put it in the jar so I can see a visual representation that I have achieved things. I used to have a jar not necessarily just things that I achieved it was like a gratitude jar that I used to just write one thing in each day that I would um yeah in the jar to say oh this is something I was grateful for today but actually I do like that in terms of achievement something that I'm I think I might implement kind of for 2022. <laughs> Just on gratitude, I'm so glad you brought that up. I definitely believe in starting the day with gratitude. Gratitude is such an underrated superpower. And it sounds really fluffy. And I think the world, like commercially, it's been made to sound really fluffy, but it's so pragmatic. And it's simply pragmatic for this reason. Gratitude changes your perception of a situation. It can change your perception of a situation like a lens of the glasses so if you can change your perception of a situation you directly change how you experience that same situation and if you can change how you experience the situation you've just changed your reality and if you have the power to change your reality you are unstoppable that sense of agency that sense of empowerment that we all want you can have it and it's simply through gratitude change our perception of a situation changes the experience it changes our reality which gives us back our personal power definitely i I, I love that. I, I agree. It's a superpower. And doing it in the morning or doing it in the evening after you finish the day, I think it's just a nice way to either start or end your day. Yeah. So I have an alarm, an alarm that goes off the same time I wake up. So when I wake up, the first the first thing I see is gratitude and I choose three things that I'm grateful for the first point of the day. And then 12 hours later, I have another alarm that goes off that says gratitude. And again, I think of three, three things that I'm grateful for. Or if I'm with someone, I will ask them, what are three things you are grateful for? Amazing. That's great thing for us to do to ask the people around us as well what are we grateful for Mm. I am grateful for health I am grateful for opportunities and I'm grateful that I've got positive expectancy I think sometimes that's something we end up missing positive expectancy so I'm grateful for having that perception on life 
because there was a time where I never had that. And I'm grateful you could give us your wealth of experience and information and knowledge here in today's oh, thank you. podcast. So I'm going to ask you a final question. If you could give any advice to your younger self, what would that be? To show up without fear, to love without limitation and choose life. So as confident as I am, and people always name me as a confident person, there was a time where actually I was existing and not living. And understandably, a lot had happened in my life over a um, successive period of time, but I was probably just existing and too scared to give in to any situation or experience with my full self because I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. But actually, there's just so much life out there and there's no such thing as a bad experience. We can have unpleasant experiences, unpleasant moments. Like I wouldn't wish the experience of my mum on anyone else but actually if not for that I wouldn't be the woman I am today doing the work I'm doing now so this the advice I'd give my younger self is to show up love without limitation and choose to live in every experience where can listeners find out more about you so I am on LinkedIn as the corporate hippie Sabira Jones and I am also on Instagram as Sabira Jones as well thank you Sabira this has been amazing I've really happy that we've had you on today's show thank you very much for having me it's a great way to start my monday fantastic the tips that you've provided spirit have been amazing and also don't forget we utilize the mind map today so every mind matters offers information and videos to help you look after your own mental health and well-being so you can get your own mind plan to improve your knowledge confidence and motivation to take action and find out what works for you to care for your mental health and well-being just search every mind matters to see what works for you Catch every episode of the Black Magic Podcast by subscribing on Acast, Apple, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. Spread the word and share the magic.